once I was able to start doing that full time, it didn't even feel like a job. So my, you know, what I do now doesn't feel like a job. It's a passion of mine. And so that's, that's been pretty awesome. Welcome to Trial to Triumph, hosted by Caleb Johnson. The show about leaning into life's constant testing on your way to realizing your biggest blessings. How's it going, everyone? This is Caleb Johnson, host of From Trial to Triumph. Today, uh, as a guest on our show, we have Brian Head. Brian, welcome to the show. Thanks, Caleb. Appreciate appreciate you having me on. It's an honor to be here. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for being here. So, Brian, can you give our listeners just a quick background about how you kind of got to where you are today? Sure. Yeah. So, uh, just you know, briefly, kind of go over my background. So, uh, born and raised in San Antonio, San Antonio, Texas. So, I lived here all my life. Um, and uh, I just recently, in the last few months, actually, as of May of this year, uh, left my corporate job. I uh, was there for almost 25 years, a large financial services firm here in San Antonio. Um, so I did sold auto insurance for a little bit there, um, was a stockbroker with my uh, securities licenses for about 10 years, uh, and then was kind of in an IT role for the last 15 or so years. So that, that uh, you know, I was there, like I said, for almost 25 years. And, and while there, I was also investing in real estate for about 20 years on the side. Started out primarily in single family with some flipping, rentals, some I still have today. Um, and I got into a duplex and a triplex, smaller multifamily things and Airbnb as well. And so, yeah, so that's me and, and married um, with uh, two kids, four-year-old four year daughter and 11-year-old daughter. Okay. Yeah, great. Thanks for that. Sure. Um, something that I wanted to ask you is, just leaving your job, I mean, what in the last y- this year, mm-hmm. there's and I um, have experienced that, and there's a lot. It's just different. <laughs> there's, um, there's. I mean, starting your own company, man, it it's, feels like a full time job, kind of getting that up and running. So, yeah. can you um, just share what that's been like, and maybe one of the most, I mean, one of the most important things you've kind of learned from that transition. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, like I said, I've been doing real estate or investing in real estate for, for 20 years or so on the side while I was working at my corporate job. So when I left my corporate job, I kind of already had something lined up. So I wasn't leaving my corporate job without having a plan in place and knowing what I was going to do. So, you know, what I what I do now is uh, invest in larger multifamily uh, complexes. So, you know, 100 plus unit buildings is primarily what I'm doing now. And so... You know, and and my role in a lot of these deals is, you know, one of my primary roles is finding investors that want to invest in these type of opportunities. And I've always loved educating people on real estate and the great benefits of it. And so it was kind of a natural transition for me to to have this role. And so when I left my corporate job, uh, so I had I had uh, yeah, I put in my put my two weeks on May second. And, uh, you know, the company was like, well, we'll go ahead and make it effective today, but we'll pay you for the two weeks. So that was, was kind of cool. But, you know, it's funny because I had about half a day off on May 2nd, which was a Monday. And then since then, the very next day, Tuesday, it's been nonstop with the real estate stuff. So it, it, there was no gap in between. It wasn't like there was, you know, take a couple weeks off or a month off. I had things, I had so many things already in the works and rolling that I just transitioned right over that. And all the time I was doing the other stuff. Now I was able to focus on some things that I've been wanting to do for a while. And so the, the experience has been pretty awesome because, 
like I said, I enjoy educating people on the benefits of real estate. And so once I was able to start doing that full time, it didn't even feel like a job. So my, you know, what I do now doesn't feel like a job. It's a passion of mine. And so that's, that's been pretty awesome. One of the biggest things I did learn though was, uh, you know, when in the corporate world, everybody schedules meetings on, you know, your whole day is full of meetings and all these tasks and everything that you need to do. And so your day pretty much gets scheduled for you. So one thing that I learned and figured out, but it took probably just until a few weeks ago to realize that, you know, I need to time block because without time blocking, my day was getting filled up with, and especially it's a couple you know, being, you know, being my own boss and being able to do my own schedule, but then being at home at the same time, those two things combined, you know, I end up spending a lot of time doing just stuff around the house that I need to do too, not focusing on, you know, personal financial stuff and things like that during the day when I really needed to be focusing on my real estate business. And so that was one of the biggest challenges. Uh, and, you know, I'd heard a lot about, you know, you need to time block and all that. And I, you know, since while I was in the corporate world, it didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But once I got out, I realized, you know, okay, I'm spending half my day doing non-value add type things. I really need to time block. And, you know, it was funny, even in the, you know, it's been roughly about three months or so since I left my job, those first couple of months, there was things I wanted to do that weren't getting done that were important. But as soon as I time blocked, I finished them in, in a week. So it's like, okay, well, you know, this is pretty awesome. This time blocking thing really works. So that was one of the biggest learning curves that I had starting out uh, with my own business after I left the corporate job. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of like to talk a little bit about that because, again, kind of a similar instance with me leaving my day job and learning to time block. And I didn't really understand where to start with that. So... And I think everyone kind of does it maybe a little bit differently. And just so our listeners understand maybe your take on it. Um, I mean, for me, I, you know, from 90 minutes to 120 minutes, uh, maybe I do it the day before. And do you kind of take that same approach where it's the day before or maybe the week before? And how can you just kind of get into the weeds about that a little bit? Yeah, so it's still I think I'm still kind of learning the best way to do it for me. So what I what I did was is I I did it for indefinitely. So I blocked, you know, not 8:45 to 9:15 or whatever to do certain things every day Monday through Friday. And I went in and my you know blocked my calendar link, you know, so that nobody could schedule meetings during that time. And I intentionally scheduled a lot of that that time in the morning because that's when I'm most effective is in the morning. Um, and so that's, that's what I've done so far. I've time blocked a few other things in the afternoon. I haven't quite, I'll admit it's still a learning process because there's been, I've been miss. I have to guard my time blocking a little bit better to my calendar. So honestly, that's something I'm still working on. I, I think it's a constant, it's going to be a constant learning curve and trying to, you know, guard that calendar. Uh, so, you know, for me, it's been 30 to 45 minute blocks that I scheduled out indefinitely until I get, you know, with that particular item done. So yeah, that's kind of how I did it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. I love hearing just different, different takes on that. And, uh, like you said earlier, it is whatever works for you. It, you know, some people want less time or maybe they don't need two hours to time block something and maybe someone's more effective in the evening. But like you said, you kind of just have to play with it yourself mm-hmm. and see what works for you and, and your business. Exactly. Yep. Um, I agree. Yeah. And talking with you earlier, you mentioned uh, a big turning point for you in your career where your wife was, I mean, diagnosed with a very serious 
cancer. So can you talk about that and, and just share with our listeners that? Yeah. So a few years ago when our youngest daughter was four months old, uh, my, my wife, uh, she was breastfeeding um, and she found a, a lump and just pretty much thought it was a clogged duct type thing and waited, you know, a week or so. And then when she realized, well, this isn't going away, you know, we, we had a conversation. It was like, okay, you need to, you need to go to the doctor and get this checked out. And so uh, she went and, you know, like you said, unfortunately, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. Uh, and, you know, fortunately, I'll just get it out now. Fortunately, she's cancer free now. So, uh, you know, thank God that, you know, we, we've gotten through that. Yeah, thank you. And, um, but that was a, that was a very uh, challenging uh, and, and dark time. You know, obviously, you know, I did the things that they always tell you not to do and, and you know, start Googling stuff and looking up stuff online. That's like the last thing, you know, you start looking up statistics and things like that. And, you know, what, what I've come to learn is that, you know, you can't, you can't look at those statistics because the reality of it is there are outliers and there are people that, you know, do much better. Right. And they're just, they're just showing you averages, but you can't, you can't live based on averages when it comes to something like that. So uh, that was definitely to what you mentioned. That was definitely a turning point for me. So up to that point, you know, I had been investing primarily in single family and I always knew that there was a lot of value in multifamily, but it wasn't until that event happened and I had to stop and say, okay, now I really need to dig into this to understand how can I make multifamily work? How can I get into this space? Because I always thought to myself, okay, well, I don't have a million bucks. So I pretty much stopped there. Didn't think any more about it. But once I had this event happen and made us reflect on life and what we're doing and, you know, neither of us wanted to be in a corporate job into our, you know, 60s, let alone 50s or anything. Right. We, we just we wanted to be able to spend more time with our kids. We want the financial freedom that being self-employed provides. And so, you know, it just it just made me made me think, OK, you know, I got to look into this more. I can't just take the I don't have the money. I got to move on. So at that point, that's when I started listening to podcasts. Uh, you know, po podcasts are, are amazing to, to learn a lot about about the business. I joined a local mastermind group here in San Antonio. That was probably one of the biggest game changers for me because, you know, the education component is one piece uh, and, and education is important. And I think, you know, educating, you know, putting uh, educating yourself and, and learning what you can is vital. But it was also what I think is even more important is, is putting yourself in a room with like minded people. And so I was in a room with people that were already doing these, you know, 20, 30, $40 million multifamily deals to, to show me that this is possible and to be able to bounce questions off. And, you know, it really, it really helps you overcome your fears when you see other people doing it and you're talking to these people and you're in this group. So we have, we have uh, uh, mastermind calls every other Tuesday night for an hour. And so it's, it's awesome because we get to celebrate our wins discuss any challenges that we're facing, you know, the group can help, you know, figure out how to overcome those challenges. But, you know, being in that mastermind, being surrounded by, by people that are doing it, that was the game changer for me. And, you know, it, it, it was, and that was, that was about a year and a half to two years ago when I started. And um, yeah, it was, it was amazing. I mean, you know, it's that whole saying, you know, you are the top five people you surround yourself with. Right. Or I heard on another, another podcast the other day, somebody, somebody said that uh, your tribe is your vibe. Right. So, <laughs> um, you know, just, just those different, those different little sayings, but, but they're, you know, those things sound cheesy, but they're very, very true. 
You know, if you're surrounding yourself with people that are negative and, you know, aren't supporting you and telling you that you can do it and, you know, giving you that positive reinforcement, you're, you're not going to succeed. That's, that's just the reality. I mean, you know, you have to be around people that are doing it uh, and, and that will support you. And, and, you know, so that that was that was the biggest thing for me was joining that mastermind group. And, uh, you know, once I did that, you know, I just I just started jumping into it and uh, we're. I'm raising capital now uh, on my seventh deal, uh, getting ready to launch a real estate fund as well. So that'll be launched uh, next month, which I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. That's going to be a pretty awesome opportunity. It's going to give folks an opportunity to, to invest in multifamily, but in a diversified portfolio of syndications instead of your money going into one apartment complex with one sponsor in one location you're getting diversified across multiple, across multiple properties. So I'm, I'm excited about that, but um, if I can just expand a little bit, you know, on, on one of the things that, that I really learned in that, in that journey with the, the breast cancer that my, my wife went through is, like I said, it really, it really made me rethink things and it really motivated me. But what I've learned is that it's a balancing act because, you know, when you experience something like that and something that, you know, I'd be lying if I didn't say, you know, a day doesn't go by that, you know, it doesn't at some point cross my mind, you know, well, what if it comes back or something like that, right? That's just the reality of life. But what I've learned is that it's, it's a balancing act trying to use that horrible event to motivate you, but also don't put it so top of mind that it, it, it affects your daily thinking and it brings you down, right? That that is something that is is difficult but vital when you go through one of these life events that happens. You know, it's it's just you know I think it's it's really easy to let it you know the negative part of it keep popping up to the top of your mind, but you have to just let it pop up there enough to motivate you and push you to get you through, but not to dwell on it to where it starts creating negative thoughts in your in your mind. So um, that was kind of something I learned a few months ago that. You know, is, is once I realized that it really made a difference uh, in, in, you know, everyday life, really. So, mm -hmm. okay, yeah, and I'm really glad you said that because I even sometimes have a hard time or um, a, a more difficult time understanding, like something that is a really driving force that motivates you. You want to help, like you said, your wife or your kids or your parents or or something else happens to you that really motivates you. How do you not let that consume you? And it's a really fine line where, where you don't want that to happen, but it's still such a, I mean, you've been blessed with that opportunity because that really, I mean, changed. That was a real driving point and motivating factor. So how do you, because I'm curious too, how do you, I mean, balance that? So for me, it's, it's so my why is getting my wife out of her corporate job. That's my why. And that's, that, that basically is what drives me every day to do what I'm doing. Um, and so getting her out of her corporate job is, is goal number one. And uh, the, the way I look at it, you know, it's, it's uh, again, one of those things you hear all the time, it's simple, but, but it's valuable to me is failure is not an option. So, it, it, you know, getting her out of her corporate job and, you know, in a, in a, in a timely, timely fashion, obviously she's still working there. So, I, you know, 
I don't want to say I want to get out of a corporate job next week, but you know, it's, you know, obviously I want to, I want to push, push the envelope. Um, and you know, it, when you, when you have a why that, and I feel is, is very strong like that, and then you connect it with your passion and then a, a vehicle, a vehicle to, to help you push that why, right. And, and multifamily real estate, and what I'm doing now, it, it really, it really allows you to just move, just kind of leap forward really quickly. And that, that's what, that's what I've experienced. And, you know, it's been, um, yeah, it's, it's been hard. I mean, I, I'd be lying if I said it was easy, but, um, yeah, it's, it's been a challenge, but it, it drives me every day and it's, it's made me go outside of my comfort zone. So the, the funny thing is, is, you know, like I said, I was in a corporate job with the same company for almost 25 years and the last, I don't know, year and a half or so I've gone outside of my comfort zone way more, way more. And I'm not exaggerating than I ever did in almost 25 years at a corporate job. That's in the last year and a half. And that that's because of the why and the motivation that I have and the fact that I'm doing something that I'm passionate about. So, you know, once you have those things, I mean, being on podcasts was not something that <laughs> a year and a half ago I would have thought I would ever do. Um, and, you know, having conversations with people about these types of things. I mean, there's a lot of things I've had to do to go outside of my comfort zone uh, to, to make this succeed. But again, when you have a strong why and the motivation, it allows you to overcome those fears and, and having failure is not an option is, is the biggest motivator too. Right. So I hope that helps answer your question. Yeah, that did. And I'll, I mean, just sharing how that your answer affected me is because things that have happened in my life where you can, let's take your case, for example, if you say, I want to, I want to buy real estate and because my wife had breast cancer and that, I mean, that that's almost saying like a negative thing because you're thinking about your wife having breast cancer. But what it sounds like what you did is saying, I want to get my wife out of her corporate job. And that is, that just sounds more motivating. And if that was me, like you said, that's your why. So what if, you know, for me, if I want to say when I first started in real estate was because I wanted to help my mom leave her job or just be able to support her because she had bilateral knee replacements and I would see her leave her job in tears because of the pain. And so she was forced back to her job too early and she didn't have enough time to recover. And yeah. I could, I could maybe put a negative spin on that, um, that, you know, saying, I don't want my mom to go through pain, so I'm going to buy real estate or yeah. how you did. You could say, I don't, I want to be able to support my mom so she can leave her job or whatever that is. And mm -hmm. I think we all have those things that drive us, but mm -hmm. like you said, putting a different spin on it so that it motivates you compared to maybe um, demoralizing you or affecting you just in a negative way. And that's just how that affected me. So that's great. I appreciate it. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's been life changing and um, you know, and, but you know, I, I, so that was in 2018. So what about four years ago or so um, even with that, even with experiencing that, I feel like I'm happier now than I ever have been in my life. Because uh, because of having that why, having that motivation, and and having a having a purpose, 
you know, <laughs> um, it, it, it makes, it really makes a difference. Right. So. Right. Right. And I want to go back to the mastermind that you said that mm -hmm. obviously really affected you in, in a positive way. And I've experienced uh, good masterminds and bad masterminds, not that they were bad, but they just didn't get me to where I wanted to be. And mm -hmm. I think it's difficult for someone that maybe is just starting out and they want to be around those success, those successful people, but it might be hard to kind of differentiate which, uh, groups are, will be a hindrance or which groups will actually be a benefit. So mm -hmm. with your experience, how do you kind of uh, find the groups that will get you to that next level, if that makes sense. Yeah. So for me, when I first started looking up different mastermind groups online, different options, you know, and I, and I, I know, I know you and I are a part of the same mastermind group, but, uh, one of them, but so for me, I think that the thing that really made the biggest difference for me in, in the mastermind group that I, the first one that I joined was being, being able to meet these, these people in person being able to sit down with them, look at properties. You know, there's there's a lot of masterminds out there that, that you can join that are national and there's nothing wrong with them. They, they all have their different purposes, but I think, especially if you're starting out, I think it's really beneficial to to have one that's in person. Um, you know, if if you can find there, now don't get me wrong, you can do really well with one of the, the national ones that's not in, in person as well. There can be a lot of value there too. For me, you know, it was it was just I needed to find a local one um, to to provide that you know that that ability to be able to just you know meet up with somebody for lunch or something like that and go talk about a deal or something. Um, so that was that was the biggest thing for me. Um, you know, I really think though too, you know, you just you have to you have to call them, you just have to talk to them, and you have to get that warm and fuzzy feeling, as cheesy as that sounds. I mean, you know, I don't. There, there's some that I feel like are way too commercialized. And, you know, there's there, there's also some groups that, and I have not have been a part of one of these, but I've heard about them. I'm, I'm probably going to alienate myself from some people here. But, you know, that when you join the group, you get access to all this stuff. But as soon as you leave the group, your access is gone. And, you know, I, I've, I've heard of some of these groups. I, that's not for me. I mean, I don't I don't feel like, you know, that's great, but you, you're so tied to that. You know, I don't want to be tied to something. I mean, you know, I want to be able to make these relationships and be able to foster and develop these relationships outside of the group as well. I don't, I don't want it to have to be in that ecosystem. And so I feel like, you, you know, I think it's important to join a group where, you know, there's no strings attached, right? You, you can do whatever you want. You have access to whoever you want, you know? Um, so I think, I think those are, those are probably two of the biggest things for me. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's, I actually haven't heard that perspective where if someone, where it's that access, right? If you leave the group, you're not, you're kind of disowned or that's an extreme <laughs> term, right? But yeah. you're not with us anymore. Um, and I, yeah, that's interesting because that I think that um, that kind of discourages growth. And right. just like you said, and that's mm -hmm. um, interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, Brian, I think we'll wrap this up because I took a lot away from this call just in this uh, 20 minutes that we, uh, we spoke awesome. today. So uh, I'll ask you just three quick final questions. And the first okay. being, if you can recommend a book to our listeners, what would that be? 
so there's so many good books, but if I had to if I had to recommend one, uh, ironically, it would be the one thing. I don't, I don't know if you've heard of that book. I, I can't remember the author. That's horrible. I can't remember the author, but you know, it basically just talks about focusing on the one the one thing, and then you know, going into the future and seeing, okay, what do I need to do a year from now? What do I need to do every month? What do I need to do every week? What do I need to do every day? Type thing to get to that one thing, right? So I think that that really helps with the hyper focus. Uh, so that, that book has, was really, really great. And, uh, that, that would be the one book that I would recommend. Okay. Yeah. I was just, I read that book too. And it looks like the author was Gary Keller. Cause thank you. The, yeah. yeah. That didn't, I didn't remember that either. So I had to look it up, but yeah, great yeah. book. Yeah. That, yeah. that affected me as well. Yeah. And if people want to invest with you or maybe get in touch with you and learn more about you, Where's yeah. the best place for them uh, to do that at? So my website is uh, headstartequity.com. So that's my company, Headstart, Headstart Equity. So uh, that would be the best place. You know, you can reach out to me via the website. Uh, my, you can also send me an email, brian at headstartequity.com. Or uh, I'm also on LinkedIn as well. So. Okay. And if you can share one last thing with our listeners to kind of that have listened to the show and you just want to impart one thing um, for them to take away from this, what would that be? So I'm going to steal somebody else's quote because I think it's so good. So uh, I don't know if you've heard of Les Brown, but, uh, you know, the motivational speaker. So I, and I, I listen to I listen to actually a lot, you know, and he, he doesn't do as much speaking now and, and Jim, Jim Rohn as well. But Les Brown uh, made a comment one time and he said that if you don't program yourself, life will program you. And I think, I think that would be, I think the biggest takeaway that, that people should have. And, and basically all that means is you, you choose your, your life and your habits and everything. If you, if you don't make those choices and you don't make a concerted effort to, you know, pick what habits you want to have and your goals and things like that, life will do it for you. And it, who knows how it's going to turn out. So that would probably be the, the one thing I would say. That's really good. That's really yeah. good. Yeah. Well, Brian, I appreciate your time today and just sharing all this great information and those um, those things that really affected you. So I, uh, I appreciate you being here today. Yeah, it was awesome to be here. Thank you, Caleb. Yeah, thank you. Well, everyone, I uh, hope you enjoyed this because I know I sure did. So uh, we'll catch you next time. It's time to grab your victory. Find us on the web at redseacapitalgroup.com and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Red Sea Capital Group.